Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Doctor Is In. I am your host, Paul Verhoeven. This week's episode is kind of special. I've always been a very, very big fan of the music in Doctor Who. Um, Ever since... Oh, God, this is going to sound weird. So... um, I'm mates with Murray Gold, uh, the the wonderful composer who did the music for Doctor Who from Eccleston onwards uh, up until this season. And Murray's sound is very orchestral. And uh, we were hanging out in Melbourne, and he told me, um, he told me, and I've never told the story before. Basically, he said, "Look, sometimes you get a script for an episode, and you don't." love the material. You just don't think it's the strongest story. And so he had this little voice in the back of his head that would kick in that compelled him to do better work with the music. He's like, look, I'm going to balance the scales and make the music so good that it kind of compensates for what I think might be a script that isn't, you know, uh, firing in all cylinders. So, um, and if you, can, and he told me some of the episodes and I, I watched them back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did some of your best work there. It's funny, the incentive to just get fired up was, was really amazing. But this week, um, I'm talking to the composer uh, of the music for this season of Doctor Who, um, Sagan Akinola, amazing, amazing composer. So uh, you'll be hearing a chat with him later on in the show. We'll be doing companion piece, all the usual stuff. It's a huge episode, but before any of that, whose news is it anyway? This week in Doctor Who news, first up, charity. The BBC uh, held an annual fundraiser evening for children in need, and it took place, and it went down, and it went really well. And by the end of the evening, they had raised over £50 million for charity. Now, the evening featured a really special treat for um, a Doctor Who fan, a nine-year-old Doctor Who fan called Anna, who uh, actually suffers from cystic fibrosis. So basically, Anna and her brother Alex got to go to the TARDIS, uh, head on set, and meet the entire cast, and uh, view an exclusive clip from the episode that was coming up, and hang out with Jodie. And I just got to say, there is basically nothing better than watching what Doctor Who can do for people who are having a hard time. So really, congratulations, children in need. You did a beautiful job. Next up in news, I've just written the word daughter. And as I read the story that I wrote, that makes absolute sense. So there is a family reunion coming up of sorts in Big Finish's new release called The Legacy of Time. Uh, I just said The Legacy of Time as if this is a French Big Finish audio. It's not The Legacy of Time. It sounds like I've been eating peanut butter, my mouth's sticking together. Anyway, so it's a new release from Big Finish, which celebrates 20 years of Doctor Who in audio form. If you haven't gone off and listened to Big Finish, you are absolutely bonkers. Now, uh, it's a big box set, and in the fourth story from the set, uh, Peter Davison's fifth Doctor is going to end up meeting Jenny. Uh, And by Jenny, we mean the Doctor's daughter, played by his real-life daughter, Georgia Tennant. So... Basically, in 2019, Big Finish, uh, celebrating 20 years of incredible stories, and they're doing this box set of huge crossover stories, and there's going to be lots of characters from Old and New Who kind of, you know, crisscrossing in with each other, but this is the most exciting for me. Look, I'm just over the moon 
that so much of New Who is now part of Big Finish. But the logistics of this are absolutely insane because she's the 10th Doctor's wife, but the 5th Doctor's daughter, but also the 10th Doctor's daughter. It's very confusing. It all sounds a bit Game of Thrones to me. And now it's time for composer Sagan Akinola talking his work on Doctor Who. Hello, Sagan, how you doing? Hi. Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, first of all, I'm so sorry about the other day. Uh, and because I assume I was, yeah, I just I had a meeting which overran horrendously. Oh, that's fine, mate. That's so, totally fine. I do apologize. That's totally fine. Um, it, yeah, please don't feel bad. And also, you are so busy right now. You must be... Like just off the charts busy. How are you coping with the um with the with the new gig? Yeah, yeah, very well. I mean, I am I am now almost entirely done as of as of a couple of days ago. Oh god. Um, so it's more like I guess it's more like how have I coped? <laughs> kind of <laughs> because it's the I'm very much just about at the end. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's such an amazing. Do um, for for every reason, of course, it's Doctor Who, and it's a huge gr- um, brand globally. Yeah. Um, but it's also fantastic material to be able to work with in terms of the stories and where they go and everything. And um, this year, in particular, musically, um, it was a clean slate from the very beginning. So all sorts of questions could be asked and experimented with and ideas played with um, and one of those if you've seen the series one of those is um, particularly that we said that the music would have um, a series sound uh, but also there'd be the freedom to move with the story um, and very much play with that so if we're going to a different place we can kind of play with that and looking back on the series actually we realised that um, we pushed that much further than we thought we would, um, but it just felt very natural and very right according to each story. And for me, it was very much a case of ensuring that there is a series sound throughout that, even though we kind of move around. Um, so it's, it's a great brand, it's great material, it's great content, um, a great new team, and also fantastic people to be working with. Um, I work very closely with Chris Chibnall and Matt Strevens, the exec producer. Yeah. Um, You mentioned a series sound. If you had to sum up, I don't know if there's a clean term or a way you would describe the sound that you've created for the series. I mean, it feels very, very different in a good way, obviously. But how would you sum up the like your musical brand and what you've brought to the show? Um, I, I think that it's music which draws from lots of different places. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's kind of at the central core of all of the school for all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, as I say, yes, there is a, a series sound, and that in itself draws from different places. It absolutely draws from popular music and um, electroacoustic experimental music, mm. as well as classical music and electronic music as well. Um, and you see that certainly in uh, some clear episodes would be episode one, episode two, episode four, which are very clearly the kind of, although 
in every episode, which is made from a plucked piano string. Um, or there's another one which is in most episodes, I think, which is made from, which is a synth, you know, with actual notes, but it's made from me hitting some bongos with a, um, with a kind of soft mallet head and kind of then making that uh, a playable um, synth and, you know, things like that. So it's kind of creating sounds specifically for the series mm. along with then drawing from these kind of different areas. So you've got stuff like in episode one, there's some quite, ex- you know, there's stuff that really pulls from the experimental electroacoustic side of things um, as we're kind of learning more about well more so when we're not quite sure what the situation is with this blue but i don't know if you've seen series, but it's a very big blue bulb type thing yeah. um they're kind of leaning into that side of things but then there's lots of very kind of modern contemporary aspects and then there's lots of percussion and, and drive as well as you know cello and french horns that kind of got some classical influences there as well mm. which we need to even more so in our orchestral episodes. Um, so it, it's really a series that draws from lots of places and as I say, yes, there are lots of sounds which are created just for um, the series and often just for the episode as well because I will go through um, episode by episode and you know, kind of make new sounds or tweak new sounds from uh, the same material, um, that kind of thing. Sure. Well, I mean, one of the like hallmarks of um, Murray Gold's work on the series, and you know, a lot of composers is just slamming on the accelerator with light motifs. Just going, okay, each character has a very distinct theme, and like this is a, like you said, it's a it's a new slate, it's a new Doctor Who. How do you approach characters and go? This is the sound. This is the music. I'm going to tether to that character. How do you give somebody their own soundscape, effectively? Yeah. Well. I- I think there's a reason why everyone does that because it, it works and it works so well and, and especially when you've got such rich content um, as is such rich character content and character development which is always the case on TV because you've got so many episodes so you do end up exploring characters in, in quite a deep way and so it's very much the same here um, there are there are scenes for all of the four main characters um and then there's also a theme for them as a team as well and what's possibly slightly different to um how because sometimes it's very it's very kind of normal to approach it and say okay well the first time you see the character in the first episode you get their theme in its full version and then kind of you use it in bits going on from there Mm. um we didn't actually do that and for us it was more a case of eking out these themes over time as we got to know the characters uh-huh. um, the exception with that is is the doctor slightly because um, we do get her theme so when she's on the crane in episode one yeah. and she comes out and she says I'm the doctor we then get her theme and, and it's sung there and then we get it a couple of times um, later in the episode we get it when she's talking about being a traveler and she's quite lonely again it's sung and then at the end of the episode she comes out in basically her new outfit um and we get quite a big full-bodied um heroic version of her theme but even that you know is eked out it's not the first time that you see it that you that we get the theme it's very much linked into the narrative 
give and when she realises who she is, that's when she gets it. Um, and then the others, yes, are kind of eked out depending on what situation they are in. Um, but it's not also not, it's not always exactly the same. It's not the case of going to play this theme exactly, in exactly the same way for the first five episodes so you really get it. It isn't that at all. It's very much a case of going through the whole series and getting a bit more and a bit more and then we get um, maybe a situation like in episode four where Graham goes home for the first time. And I think that's actually the first time in the series where we get um, a bit of his theme and then we kind of get a bit more as we as we go through. Sure. Well, I mean, given that you're, you know, creating effectively you're bolstering existing characters and you're, you know, you're, you're filling out their portraits. You're, you're, you're adding to these characters. Is there, was there any point at which, you know, um, Chris Chibnall approached you and said, okay, this is where the character is going to end up in order to give you a bit of a goal as to where you wanted to have the music end up? Or are you flying by the city of pants, uh, script by script? Well, it was a case of sitting down with Chris and talking to him about, who the characters are, hmm. slightly more so than, so not quite where they were starting and not quite necessarily where they were going, but what the character was about. Right. Um, so if you take someone like Graham, for example, um, it, he's kind of the, uh, the the fun uncle, if you will, in the sense of, or maybe more the kind of cute fun uncle. He says a few things, and you're like, oh, oh, Graham, that kind of thing. But he's also been through something incredibly difficult and he has had to deal with lot great loss um, and, the, and the loss of grace but we know that he has had cancer um, and he's in remission mm. so there are different sides to his character so it was important to have a theme that could very much express those different sides and it was that kind of approach for all of them talking about who are they what do they embody what are they about um, and then that could always be molded and changed and pulled and stretched um, to fit the particular scenario or situation or scene uh, that they're in in a specific episode. Okay. Do you have anything that you've done, uh, you know, either a character theme or, like, musically, what are you the most proud of uh, in this season? And if it hasn't happened yet, that's <laughs> that's fine. Um, I'm just always curious to see what at the end of a body of work, the creator is, like, the happiest with? Like, what do you think you... What are you, what are you really stoked about pulling off this season? Um, I mean, to be honest, the series as a series, as a, you know, as a whole thing, because it is a big reset. I mean, you've had, um, what was it, like, 12 years of, of a fantastic composer doing something, you know, very different. Um, and coming in and having a clean slate and, and going with the, a new direction of the show... Mm. It's always a risk. There's always a risk involved with that. And Matt and Chris were amazing because they were very, very keen that um, I was bold and, and did things that I thought were right and they were never, ever prescriptive. And they were very clear that, you know, they hired me and they want me to bring myself to the series. Mm. So kind of going in and saying, well, okay, this is what I think we can do. And, and doing that um, and... You know, episode one is, is quite a good example because it's it's a very kind of clear indication of being in a different world musically um, and kind of playing and picking up from all of these different bits. Um, and then building upon that is actually having having all these different episodes that have these different, um, it might be a different style or a slightly different sound. So 
Episode 1, it's a bit more industrial and hard-hitting because they're on this planet, which is quite a tough place to be. Mm. Um, but then we can get to Episode 3, and it's much more uh, period. I mean, you know, it's orchestral. Sure. Um, but still then joins this world, that, this sound world that's been set up for Episode 1. So doing that, you know, being brave and, and bold and saying, well, we are going to change things a bit. Um, which I think you start to realise more from episode five because four is a bit more like one and two but slightly different. Episode five is, is quite eighties influenced, and then episode six we're in India and it's partition and it's period. Um, episode seven is um, a bit more of a funky band sound, but also electronica. So it kind of from episode five you start to realise, or maybe the six you start to realise, oh, it's not the same every week. Um, and that, as I say, was something that was very natural, just felt very right, and was more so once we got towards the end, looking back, realizing, oh, actually, we've been quite, quite brave in kind of changing things up quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so still really, really working very hard to make sure there's a serious sound. Um, having said that, I'm very, you know, I'm really, really proud of episode uh, six. Um, it, which is partition in India, uh, particularly because for me it was very important to do a score which was authentic, always authentic, um, and which takes care of um, people of particular heritage. Um, I was liking it to Black Panther and say that you know for me Black Panther is an amazing score for so many reasons. It's absolutely stunning music. Yeah. Um, and, and done so well and everything. But the other side of it for me is that being British Nigerian, you know, having Nigerian heritage, I felt very well taken care of. Yeah, I wanted that to be the same for others, with episode six for people of Indian heritage and Pakistani heritage um, in terms of going all the way back to partition. Amazing. Well, look, um, Sagan, I'm... Um, I'm uh... Oh, I had so many more questions, but I, I shan't ask them. I'll just, uh, I'll just. Uh, this is, it's been a great interview. I just, I had so much to talk about because the music of the show matters so much, and your work has just been amazing. So I guess congratulations, and uh, oh, you know, you. get some rest. Yeah, I will do. I will do. It's time now for our segment, companion piece. Now, a couple of weeks back, I did a segment on Chameleon, the robot companion who sucked. I think that should be an official tagline for Chameleon. The robot companion who sucked, which makes him sound like a Roomba with googly eyes, which honestly would have been more fun to watch, but, you know, I felt I'd done a disservice to robots in Doctor Who, long story short. I felt I'd been mean to to robots in the show. You see, in this week's episode, uh, well, actually last week's episode, in Kablam, we witnessed the Doctor expressing, you know, like a degree of tolerance and kindness towards robots, which I found very endearing. I mean, she later on seemingly forgot her entire stance on their rights and sentience as a race and let them blow themselves up, which is odd, but, you know, regardless, it got me thinking. There's been one good robot on Doctor Who that we haven't mentioned yet, and that robot was a dog. Now, there are downsides and there are upsides to having a robot dog as opposed to a regular dog. You can't play with a robot dog in the park, but they also won't take a dump on your landroom floor. They can't technically feel love, but also they'll never die, which is a very big plus. Now, in the 1977 Doctor Who serial, The Invisible Enemy, with Tom Baker as the Doctor, the Doctor basically adopted K-9, this robot dog. And suddenly, 
The Doctor and Leela, his companion, had a talking, thinking robot companion. This smart, lethal robot dog. He could shoot a laser beam from his snout. Again, not something your average dog can do unless you've crossbred a Jack Russell with a laser pointer, which I, I just wouldn't recommend. He adventured with the Doctor uh, until, I think, Leela... Oh, that's right. So Leela opted to stay on Gallifrey, at which point the dog opted to stay with Leela. Which is just, you know, like loyalty. It's such a great dog trait. The Doctor was then seen opening a box marked K9 Mark II, and we got another K9. You see, that's the thing about dogs. You lose one and it hurts, but you can, you can get another dog. And so it was with K9. There were, in total, uh, four? I think there were four K9 units. One got modernized and ended up in the future for his own series, which is not a very good series, so... You know, we'll leave him in the future. One stayed with Leela. One ended up with Sarah Jane Smith. One took over from Mark III after being, you know, and at this point I may as well just say they all went to a farm upstate where they're all very happy. The takeaway here is this. Dogs are the best. They're the absolute best. And what's better than a dog? I'll tell you what's better than a dog. A dog with a goddamn laser on its nose. So we salute you, canine. Please don't kill us with your nose laser. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this week's jam-packed episode of The Doctor Is In. It's been an absolute treat. Thank you so much to our guest this week, Sagan Akinola. Uh, make sure you head across to Twitter uh, and follow us at TDIIPod, because The Doctor Is In was taken. Also, uh, don't forget to head across to iTunes and subscribe and like and, you know, leave a review. All that stuff really, really helps the show. And um, make sure you stay tuned for another crammed episode next week because next week's guest is an absolute doozy. Have a good one. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.